You are listening to the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Football Podcast with John Pemba and Andrew Cooper. What is going on, everybody? John Pemba here with Andrew Cooper. This is the Quick Out Fantasy Football Podcast here, recording again off season time here, Cooper. We're looking at NFL best ball ADPs. Last week, we looked over the running back position, broke down tier by tier, basically. Some of our favorites, guys are fading. Maybe guys we think are ranked too high, ranked too low. Uh, you've written articles uh, ranking your best ball busts, guys to target and whatnot. And today, we're going to be focusing in on the wide receiver position. Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm amped. For me, there is no offseason. And today, we're going to be focusing on underdog fantasy. If you aren't signed up already, use promo code ALARM, the match up to $100. And uh, like we said we talked about a few different articles we've written about roster composition what players to draft we've also talked about when to draft here's some advice right up front is that in best ball mania that's the big tournament you want to wait as long as you can that one is going to be open all the way to august it's only 10 percent filled it's going to and the winners in previous years have mostly come from august and late and early september right you see a huge percentile of not only the higher scores but the guys that go the distance. So you want to wait on one like that. They just opened another tournament called the Puppy. This one, it uh, only goes up to 100,000 people. It's already 35% full. This is the one you want to get in this time of year because you'll be playing against people that are all drafting at the same time as you. So anybody out there, get signed up, promo code ALARM, and get in the Puppy while it's open. That way, you're not going into the other big tournament and getting crushed by people that are drafting later when there's more information, roster cuts, injuries, all that info. Yep, and and we've seen a custom to underdog. When the puppy fills, they eventually open a puppy too. I think even last year they opened a puppy three. So be on the be on the lookout for sure. It's the five dollar entry. It's a a lot that's gleaned from that information as well, and a lot of it has to do with draft strategy. Um, And you do mention right now it's almost. This is where you get the opportunity to make bets on guys. I know you made that point last year. Before the news, before training camp, if you have hunches or if you have feelings, if your analysis is leading you towards a player, now's the time to take advantage of their current situation, their current ADP, before the masses turn their attention to football or that player starts getting all the media hype going into training camp, throughout training camp, and the ADPs start to rise. So here's where you can take those bets on. Exactly. If you're a sicko like us and you're doing this all year round, you're a fool not to take advantage of the information you have now because you're actually out there on Twitter engaging, figuring out what's going on. The casual dudes in your league, the guy that still is like, is Larry Fitzgerald still in the league? Like that guy, he gets all the info once it gets condensed down in August and it smooths things out. That guy can just go used to buy a magazine. Now he can buy a draft guide and have not as much info as you, but pretty similar info. But at this time of year, where you really have to go out and get the info. If you're listening to this podcast, you care about fantasy football because it's June 1st while we're recording this. So you're deep in it. Use your knowledge. Use that. Give yourself an advantage and make some money, man. Yeah, 100%. So like I said, today we're going to be looking at the wide receiver position. Last week, we checked out the running back position. So make sure to go give that a listen if you missed it. But Coop, let's waste no time. You again wrote the uh, the wide receiver bust underdog article. The other day, it's three wide receivers are avoiding at ADP. We'll come across those players We'll let you talk about that as we hit those players. But let's start off at the top tier because I think this year, more than maybe any, we have more wide receivers going in the first round, in my opinion, than we've seen in quite some time. Sure, over the last couple of years, we've seen Antonio Brown, Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams. Maybe we'll find one or two guys sneak their way into that first round. But as things are situated right now, we're looking at five wide receivers with current ADPs 
going in the first round of these best ball drafts with Cooper Cup flirting as the number two overall pick in these drafts. So I got to get your opinion here. What are your thoughts on Cooper Cup coming off such a historic season uh, with LA, with Matt Stafford at quarterback there? Yeah, the thing about it, it is ADP. I don't, I just don't like doing it. You know what I mean? Like I could see it happening again, uh, but we're talking about 2.6. He's going, sometimes it's the first player off the board and then he either goes second or third most times, depending on how people feel about Christian McCaffrey. I just don't like being the guy that makes that decision. For me to take Cooper Cup, it almost has to be a situation where somebody else takes Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. And what you're really doing here is you're betting that he's Antonio Brown a guy that we've seen be the wide receiver one overall four times in a row. Nobody else really has ever done that or, or been that kind of guy. And I'm not sure if the current conditions can hold up to that. We've seen in the past two examples of guys, Peyton Manning with the Colts and Patrick Mahomes with the Chiefs, where they came out, the defense wasn't good. They threw a bunch of touchdown passes. It was the perfect storm for passing. And then the next year they went out and improved the team, improved the running game, improved the defense. And then the next year they didn't really need to do that as much, right? I think in this situation, where we were last year is Cooper Cup had to put the team on his back. Stafford was new to the team and was leaning into what he knew. The running backs were injured on and off and they didn't have Cam Akers the whole season. They go out this year and, and, and add a bunch of pieces on defense. Uh, for me, I don't think Cooper Cup is going to be, he could be the wide receiver one or easily a top five guy, but I don't think he's going to score 60 more points than the next closest guy again this year. So I'm not super comfortable taking him at one where I might have to take him or two. I don't know about you. For me, it's all about what is the ceiling of this player? We saw it, right? Now to be worthy of the number two overall pick, he has to repeat that type of production again. Now we've seen guys put up back-to-back -back really strong years, right? We've seen Michael Thomas be really good at consecutive years. We've seen Antonio Brown be the best receiver in consecutive years. Like, it's doable. It's possible. But is it, is it, is Cooper Cup in the style of receiver that he is with a quarterback that has before last season, but even during last season, Matthew Stafford was banged up a little bit. There was some concerns about his overall, his overall health. He was able to, to last. He was able to still put forth a great year, but... You know, at his advanced age, coming off the year that he had, to me, that's a lot of a lot of ask for Cooper Cup to go forth and put forth, put together the best wide receiver season of all time for the second straight season. It just feels like there's we're due for some level of regression, and if we get even a slightly less number of touchdowns, slightly less number of yards, then he's not worthy of the number two overall pick. So for me. Like Cooper Cup's not on my board unless he falls into like the middle of the first round where there are other wide receivers currently going, right? Like Cooper Cup is currently wide receiver one going off the board an average ADP of 2.6. Right behind him, Justin Jefferson's at 4.6. Jamar Chase is at 5.3. Like if you're in that group, if you're talking about perceived upside, right? Like doesn't it feel like you, the next guy to have that monster breakout season would be a Jamar Chase with Joe Burrow at quarterback coming off the fantastic rookie year that he had, knowing the target share that he's going to get, or Justin Jefferson who has repeated back-to-back -back really strong. But if Cooper Cup goes and gives you what Justin Jefferson gives you last year, he's not worth the number two pick. So right, like, so that's what, you, that's what you're looking at. So you need Cooper Cup to go above and beyond the next guy to be worthy of that. So for me, Cup would have to fall back a handful of spots. And then I get into the conversation of like, all right, who's more likely to keep doing what they're doing? 
Is it someone like a, uh, a Jamar Chase with a young quarterback and a big offense with a talent like he is? Or is it Cooper Cup who really came out of nowhere? He never profiled to be this type of receiver. More people were drafting Robert Woods last year than they were Cooper Cup based off ADPs. Robert Woods is going mm-hmm. off the board first. This season just came out of nowhere because, oh, Matthew Stafford loves his slot receivers with the uh, narrative going into the season. This is a great fit for Cooper Cup. Well, yeah, uh, we, I don't think anybody projected this or he would have been going in the fifth round. So for me, I, I just have a little bit of a hard time using the draft pick on Cooper Cup. Right. And that's the whole thing is the draft pick. Like you said, like Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson better outright. And they're also going later. And I know we can't talk about this one guy all day, but I just want to throw in one last caveat that I don't think people are thinking about is that they did add Allen Robinson, who's actually younger than Cooper Cup and very likely better than Robert Woods. And Odell Beckham Jr. has been pretty public in saying, I want to play for the Rams and we're just trying to fit contract. You know what I mean? He says it in his way, which is like, they got to pay me. But the reality seems like he wants to be there and he just needs to figure out a deal. And if that's the case, that just makes it a lot less appealing to me, just in general, from a target distribution standpoint. This guy was getting double-digit targets every single game. I don't think that's necessary, especially down the stretch in these tournaments where you play the first 14 weeks and then to win a tournament, you have to put up huge numbers every single week, right? So, like, if Odell is coming back for that point of the year— it's just, it's not the same situation as we saw last year. Yeah, 100%. Like you said, there, and, and the point you made about Allen Robinson's a good one as well, because Robert Woods, for a lot of that last year, people were disappointed, obviously, with his production, because Coop was sort of usurping just all that target share. But to the point, like I mentioned, the next couple guys on the list, Justin Jefferson's everything last year, in year two, 1,600 yards and 10 touchdowns. I mean, that's a fantastic season for a wide receiver. You get, you... And he's he's going around pick five right now. So if Cooper Cup falls back even a little bit to be just slightly better than Jefferson, there's just like, to me, it just doesn't feel like he's paying that off. If we are going to the next group, though, uh, again, all first round wide receivers right now. You have Justin Jefferson at 4.6 ADP, Jamar Chase at 5.3, Stefan Diggs at 9.6, and Devontae Adams is at 11.4. Now, what are your thoughts on that group? And we mentioned already Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase were both high on them. But is that how you would have those guys on your own board? So it actually is close, although there's a name that I that you didn't say because he's going in the beginning of the second round that I would actually take over Devontae Adams. And that's CeeDee Lamb. I've talked a lot about his situation where essentially in his rookie year, he played 94% of his snaps in the slot. But because he was coming out for two wide receiver sets, he played 64% of the overall snaps, right? Last year, when all three guys were healthy, that was happening again. In certain games, he was coming out of the game, only playing 70% of the snaps at times. And those were his weaker games, right? He had some monster games when Michael Gallup was out, when Amari Cooper was out. When all three guys were in there, they were once again treating him as the uh, redheaded stepchild to a certain degree, especially in the red area, which is the most important part of the field. This year, with Noah Mark Cooper, it's going to be Michael Gallup playing split end with his foot tethered to the line. He's going to play flanker in two wide receiver sets, move into the slot for three wide receiver sets if they bring in a James Washington or, some, or someone. I love CeeDee Lamb's upside this year. And to me, it's like the running backs where I talked about there's a group of them going in the first round. And then there's DeAndre Swift going the second round that I really – that's CeeDee Lamb to me where I take – if I take a running back with my first pick – if Lamb is there with my second pick, I'm grabbing him. And I love having the swing to be able to take one guy like Ann Lamb. So for me, I'm actually, uh, it's one of those things where it's tough to pass on a guy like Devontae Adams, but in the back of my mind, I'm rooting for someone else to take Devontae Adams so I can get Lamb. You yeah. know, we all do that. 
you know. 100%. And it's an interesting spot for Devontae Adams. Still going in the first round, despite the fact that he's going from an offense with Aaron Rodgers to an offense with Derek Carr and a Josh McDaniels offense, which we've seen varying levels of success, obviously, but not a ton of success without Tom Brady as a quarterback. So you you have to wonder a little bit how that's going to play up and the way that teams are going to work Adams there. So I'm with you there. But Diggs he had a little bit of a down year. He had trouble finding the end zone line for him. Still, Josh Allen, we know, is going to throw the ball a ton. So would you have Lamb ahead of Diggs, or do you like Diggs ahead of Lamb? I, I like Diggs. I think he's just, to me, he's far and away the best wide receiver on that team, and we can get to that discussion a little bit later with some of the other guys surrounding him. But I just I think that in that situation, you can count on it. And it's even though it's a new offensive coordinator, the word is that they're going to run pretty much uh, what they did before. They just found somebody that knows the terminology and coming in and do that. With the Raiders, they're bringing in the Erhard Perkins system that came from the Patriots. They actually had a coach along the line that came from that tree that used some of that terminology. So Derek Carr is actually familiar with some of it, as I've heard. So it might not be that bad, but we don't know who's going to be the guy that gets peppered with targets. Not only is Darren Waller there, but Hunter Renfro got a ton of targets, and we know that Josh McDaniels is that kind of guy. I think Adams is going to lead the team. I, th- I think it would be crazy not to feature him. Yeah. It's just with that level of uncertainty versus these other situations where we know what it is. We know Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd are locked in there for the next few years. Like We know that's why they're such great dynasty assets. And same goes for Diggs and same goes for Lamb. Like Those guys are pretty locked in. We know what they want to do versus a, just a bit more uncertainty with the Adams situation. Yeah, big time. Uh, and I said that Diggs didn't have a ton of touchdowns last year. I was actually wrong. He had three through the first eight games and then went touchdown crazy over the second half of the season. He had seven touchdowns over the final nine games of the season. Diggs yeah. ended up finishing with 10 scores. So he got a lot more than I remember. But I just remember having him on my roster and wondering where all the touchdowns were. They, they came in the second half of the season. So You you and me doing the live shows and the start sits all year long, man. Right. That stuff gets in your mind. You it know does. what I mean? Same thing happened with some of these other guys like Mike Wallace, for instance, where he had the big game in the, the big games in the beginning and then the medium games down the stretch. When you're doing those shows and those start sits, the, the middle part of the season really sticks out in your mind because that's when people have the most serious right. questions. Exactly. All right, next here, it's led off by Debo Samuel. A lot of uncertainty, obviously, going on there. I don't know if he's going to play. He's not reporting. He wants to trade. San Francisco saying they're not going to trade him. He has one of the more unique seasons, I think, you'll see of a wide receiver because at times, he was giving you his fantasy production as a running back. He wasn't being used enough as a receiver. So he he's going off the board still in the second round. 17.3 is wide receiver seven. You have Mike Evans getting a nice little boost with the return of Tom Brady. Chris Godwin out with the torn ACL for a period of time. We don't know the status of Rob Gronkowski, though I'm leaning towards him probably returning once it's football time, not offseason time. Now he's running around doing this thing. I think Gronk shows up for training camp. Evans at 19.1. Tyree Kill in a new situation in Miami at 21.8. That's the next group there. Maybe you want to throw A.J. Brown in that mix as well. Someone that I'm high on going to a new team and a new offense in Philadelphia. Yeah, it's like... Once you get past the first group, because like that first group, we nitpick a little bit on guys, Cooper Cup, Devontae. You're ecstatic if you get any of them. You know what I mean? Like I'm still drafting Adams. I'm still drafting Cup at the right ADPs. In this group, or just moving forward, you start seeing different clusters where you have to make a decision on what type of guy you want, right? Like in this group, guy go, Debo going 17, Evans going 19, Tyreek going 21. You're only getting one of these guys. And the level of safety 
and floor versus ceiling couldn't be more dramatic, right? Like, like you said with Debo, he's got a crazy ceiling if they use him as the running back that they did. But, you know, he's holding out. He wants to be paid like a running back and a wide receiver. He could get traded somewhere where they don't use him like that or he's just not as good. It, he is the ultimate high-risk, high-reward, whereas Mike Evans is just a totally opposite player. Like, this is a good format for him because he has games where he blows up and games where he doesn't do much. But we, we can pretty much count on him to have just over 1,000 yards, but not really the kind of guy that you picture being the overall wide receiver one. Am I right? Like, so he's a guy that if you're maybe if you're drafting your first wide receiver and you need somebody safe, Mike Evans is a guy. If you want to shoot for the moon, Debo might be the type player. I don't know about you, John, but I am terrified of both Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle at these ADPs. Yeah, I'm having a hard time picking either one of them. And I think the people out there that are in this situation, if you do take Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddle, you're pretty much you pretty much have to take Tua. I feel like you are banking on him being better than his ADP at like QB 17 or 18 way down the board to be able to support two wide receivers and possibly a tight end. So it's a difficult group of players. I like Mike Evans here. And then after that, you get into the same, you know, the same question at the next round where it's like the next group, 25, 26, 27, AJ Brown, T Higgins, Keenan Allen. Are you going upside with AJ Brown? Are you going safety with Keenan Allen? These are the questions you got to ask yourself and what kind of fantasy gamer you want to be. Right. And and I love that you started with the upside of AJ Brown and the, the safety uh, of Ken Allen, because, you know, T Higgins almost feels like he gets disrespected there a little bit. And it's because he's just so overshadowed by Jamar Chase being there. It's nothing to do with his talent. Like he only played 14 games last year and still put up a thousand yards, almost 1100 yards and six touchdowns. He averaged, 78 yards a game receiving like T Higgins was that guy last year if he was expand his numbers over an 18 game season in an offense that they're gonna in my opinion we talked about this at the when we discussed Joe Mixon I think they're ready to unload with Joe Burrow here last year they let him get acclimated you know with the knee injury they, they brought him back slowly this year they invested in the offensive line to help him out a little bit they have Jamar Chase there. And, and then it's just looking at a stud, in my opinion, like T. Higgins. And how many times did you say last year, like he looked like a tight end running down the field, right? Like he's just a monster of a man. And if you looked at his per 17 game numbers last year, 1,300 yards, seven touchdowns. He had a hundred, it would have been for about 135 targets and 90 catches. I know the way you're looking at this is that he's the number two receiver. The other two guys are number one. That's why you are more likely to go in that direction. But I think if there is an offense, and I think even they did it last year, there's an offense that can support two number one receivers. I, I think Cincinnati is more than capable of doing it. I've been seeing people talk about fading T. Higgins for that reason, and I think that's, for all the reasons you just said, a foolish move on people's parts. Like, they showed us exactly what they want to do. They took, like I talked about with C.D. Lamb, they took Tyler Boyd and made him the part-time guy. He was coming out. The other two guys were playing full snap shares, 90% of the games. If any two guys, if I want to predict two guys to be most likely to be this year's Demarius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, or Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster, or the probably the best example, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, both getting 25%, 25% target shares. Like these are the two guys. You want highly consolidated snaps, highly consolidated targets. And besides the besides the Los Angeles Rams, 
the Cincinnati Bengals ran the most 11 personnel of any team. These two wide receivers are not coming off the field. It's the perfect situation. It's exactly what you want. Don't worry about the other guy there because it's just the two guys. What you have to worry about is when it's what New England does or what Baltimore does, where they use a million different tight ends and fullbacks and all these different blocking wide receivers and no one's playing more than 60% of the snaps. This is the opposite situation. It's the perfect situation. Right. Same reason we like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Exactly. So like I said, I, I like the Higgins here, but I do like A.J. Brown. I'm bullish, but that's largely because I'm bullish on Jalen Hurts. So when we discuss quarterbacks, we'll talk about it. But he's a quarterback that I'm targeting a lot in these best ball drafts. Uh, I was big on targeting him last year in best ball drafts because if you look at the high upside quarterback plays in years past, it's hitting the home run on a Lamar Jackson. It's hitting the home run on a Josh Allen. Why? Because those guys already had the rushing upside and then they got that receiver. Mark Andrews for Lamar Jackson had that huge year for him last year. Uh, or they got Stefan Diggs for Josh Allen. Big season for Josh Allen with Stefan Diggs there. I'm hopeful that A.J. Brown now in Philadelphia is that big receiver, that number one guy, that go-to receiver for Jalen Hurts this year in Philadelphia. And for that reason, it's why I'm liking A.J. Brown here in that spot. Now, I understand they use the first round pick in Devonta Smith. I know they have Dallas Goddard. They have other guys that can get the, the football. But, you know, I don't think you make that investment, that trade, and pay that man the money they did with A.J. Brown if it's not for him and, and Jalen Hurts just to go nutty this year. Right. And we've said Jalen, uh, A.J. Brown is the exact kind of guy that when you watch him, he creates for himself. And that's a criticism that I've had of many tight ends, especially guys like Robert Tunyon and Dalton Schultz that catch all their balls against against zone and they, they don't beat guys in man-to-man. They're not breaking tackles. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, I've given a similar criticism to. This guy is the complete opposite. Like, he kills you with route running. He's got the size. He's got the speed. There's really nothing not to like about this guy. So uh, I'm, I'm there with you. And I think that these three guys, the last, so then you get Debo, Mike Evans, Tyreek, or six guys really, Debo, Mike Evans, Tyreek, A.J. Brown, T. Higgins, Keaton Allen. That's a group of six guys that are all in one tier. And then this next group is just, the ADP is so clumped together and they feel like a bit of a drop off from anyone in that group. In my Yeah, I'm with you as well. Listen, you mentioned Jalen Waddle. Hard to trust really any of the receivers in Miami, the way it's going. And I think the fact that we the their offense themselves has a lot of questions when it comes to what can we trust with, especially now that he has that deep threat with Tyreek Hill. And I understand that they brought... You know, there's plenty of numbers when it comes to Tyree Tua last year and some of the deep ball that he's capable of throwing. But, you know, I can't trust that. It's not Patrick Mahomes throwing him the deep ball. I do like Jalen Waddell, but not as a, a guy that's just outside of the top 12 at wide receiver. For me, when it comes to Jalen Waddell in that offense and the way that Tua throws the football, like he feels like a guy that would be one to benefit from those targets because a lot of the defense is going to be worried about going downfield with Tyreek, but I just don't like the quarterback situation there. I know that you've wrote, written a few different articles that featured sort of Tua as a late round quarterback. I understand that dart. And you mentioned if you're drafting Hill or Waddle, that's a quarterback that you should probably be going with him. But to your point, this next group is really full of a lot of questions. I think except for one, and, and maybe it's a question more so on like the, the team problem that he has. So like Jalen Waddle's there. I'm not a big fan of Miami. I don't know what we're going to get out to. Michael Pittman is getting Matt Ryan. Like, what does Matt Ryan have left at him at this point? At least he's on a better team with a better offensive line. 
We'll see if Pittman can benefit from that, but they don't, what else do they have there? They don't have much else to help him, and they're still a run-heavy offense. So, like, I worry about that a little bit. Mike Williams, again, last year, solid season. Injuries in the middle of the year, in my opinion, really hampered his overall production. Quarterback problems with DJ Moore. Quarterback questions with Deontay Johnson. Quarterback questions with DK Metcalf. Quarterback questions with Amari Cooper. We don't know if Deshaun Watson's going to play. They just had enough. I don't want to talk about it, but again, a 23rd charge was levied against Deshaun Watson the other day. We'll wait for the NFL to make that decision. You know, that leaves Hollywood Brown. And Hollywood Brown on an Arizona Cardinals team that isn't going to have DeAndre Hopkins for the first six games of the season. We know that this offense likes to throw the football downfield. Hollywood had a had a really big season last year for a team that they use a very consolidated snap share with their guys. I think Kyler Murray is a better thrower than Lamar Jackson. The question is, what's the relationship like with Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals? Because if they're fine, I'm assuming he is. I'm assuming he's going to start. He's going to show up for training. Hollywood Brown, kind of over that group, I think is you know not the safest, but you know there's some appeal there to for, for me just the change in the offense. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And honestly, I've been seeing a lot of stuff from not just Kyler Murray, but from teammates of his throwing some cold water on the the rumors that there's a problem with the team. J.J. Watt sending out videos of them working out together and being you know at the facility too, joking about that kind of stuff. So I, I think that the relationship is probably a little better than than some people might assume. Obviously, he wants to get paid, and a lot of these guys are doing that kind of thing. So I'm with you on that. I do like Michael Pittman. I'm not taking Jalen Waddle. I'm never. I'm not taking Deontay Johnson. He was so volume dependent. He's had drop issues, and now no matter how you slice it, honestly. People underestimate the quality of quarterback, even a declining Ben Roethlisberger or a declining Eli Manning versus what comes next a lot of times. Because even if over the long term that quarterback develops into something better, Kenny Pickett as a rookie or Mitch Trubisky is probably not going to be better than Big Ben in a Steelers offense that he's been with for years, running the plays he's run for years. So. You have to factor that in. It's gonna be it's gonna be a decrease in quarterback play. Same for DK. I'm not going there with him. The guys I like out of this group, I do like Michael Pittman. I'll consider Mike Williams. DJ Moore, he's another one that for best ball, he's a little too conservative. I like him more in a league where I have to pick who to start every week and kind of count on him a little bit more versus something like this where you want spike week. So really not going there with him. Marquise Brown, he like you said, he stands out of this group. It's kind of like with the running backs where you get that big dead zone where we really like Miles Sanders. I like Marquise Brown here. And there's guys further down that I also like almost better than some of these guys, which kind of prevents me from taking some of them. Yeah. So why don't we get into the next? Group? Yeah. Go, go to the next tier because there are some very interesting names in the next tier. Wide receivers, 21, almost 30, basically Terry McLaurin, Comes off the board at wide receiver 21. Obviously, he has Carson Wentz now. Jerry Judy getting the charges dropped against him. If you're drafting, maybe Judy fell in some of your earlier drafts, and now his ADP is probably going to be back on the rise there. So you have Judy, and you have Cortland Sutton going off at wide receiver 22 and 24 with Russell Wilson. Between them is Chris Godwin coming back from that torn ACL at wide receiver 23. You have Allen Robinson at wide receiver 25. Juju now in Kansas City at wide receiver 26. Gabriel Davis at wide receiver 27, Michael Thomas at wide receiver 28, and Rashad Bateman at wide receiver 29. You wrote an article already about Rashad Bateman. You recently wrote an article about busts in ADP and best ball. Cover to that one was Gabriel Davis. Yeah. Before I get to those two players, I just want to put out, it's, it's almost like a riddle to me, this situation, where 
You look at, let me ask you some questions here. Ready? Who goes first? Tyreek Hill or Jerry Judy? Tyreek Hill. Yeah. Who goes first? Jalen Waddell or Cortland Sutton? Jalen Waddle. Who goes first? Mike Gusecki or Albert Aquebunum? Probably Gusecki. He does. Now, who goes first? Russell Wilson or Tua Tagovailoa? Russell Wilson. Goes way before. So what are we doing? Honestly, what are we doing with these ADPs? Like, we're betting against ourselves. It's picking Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle multiple rounds before Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. If we think that Russell... How is How in the world is Russell Wilson going to be QB8 and Tua is going to be QB17, but then he's going to have two top 12 wide receivers and a top eight tight end like it's, it's fantasy land you know what i mean you have to make your bets and that's why for me i'm more comfortable taking waiting and taking jerry judy Cortland sudden and then actually drafting tua as the hedge bet where it's like i'll take two at his bet and if the people picking tyreek hill and jalen waddle are right so am i you know what i mean right. i think you put together an interesting narrative that could come to fruition where Tua is the guy we think he is, where he's not a great quarterback, and he dumps the ball down to Jalen Waddle once again a million times, and Tyreek Hill is not that good in Jalen Waddle is, that's possible. You know what I mean? That's a world where Tua ends up worse than Russell Wilson. But I don't see how Russell Wilson is QB8, but his he his best pass catcher is wide receiver 22. Right. Right. So He's at two wide receiver twos, but he's going to be a top 10 quarterback, right? So, yeah. like... Right. Yeah. You got to, yeah, you got to play into those bets. You know what I mean? Like use those narratives. So I like Judy and Sutton almost as much as I like Hill and Waddle, to be honest with you. And Terry McLaurin, I don't mind. Chris Godwin, you got to have a, to take a guy like Godwin, and we might as well talk about DeAndre Hopkins in the same breath. To take that player, you need to have, you need to have a plan at, for safety at wide receiver. Like you had, if you drafted, if you already drafted uh, T. Higgins and Keenan Allen, you like at a back to back at a swing pick absolutely take Chris Godwin or DeAndre Hopkins and maybe that's how you win this tournament right but if you leave yourself too exposed like if you draft both Chris Godwin and DeAndre Hopkins you got to figure out what you're doing to make the playoffs in the first place in this tournament yeah 100% no I agree with you there what are your thoughts now getting to the two guys that we uh, that we mentioned or is there another one before we hit Davis and Bateman that you want to you want to hit up yeah well I'll take over Gabriel Davis I'll take any one of these players Juju, I like Juju Smith-Schuster. I don't see why we wouldn't in this situation with Patrick Mahomes. But I like Juju, Allen Robinson, Michael Thomas, Rashad Bateman. A lot of these guys better than Gabriel Davis. To to me, when you look at what Davis has been, he's been a essentially a backup, and he's had the he had the boom game, the 200 yard, four touchdown game. But two weeks before that, he got 14 targets, only caught three of them, and that's been the rub with this guy is that he's two years in a row only caught 55% of his passes, which is even if you set the bar at like 30 targets, that's outside the top 100 wide receivers. This guy needs to take a big step forward. If he's going to actually be a wide receiver too. It's, it's not a given that any team is going to have two top 24 wide receivers because there's 32 teams. You know what I mean? So for me to take a guy like this, right? Gabriel Davis, who we're hoping is the second target after Stefan Diggs. It might be Jamison Crowder, Cole Beasley, even at 30 years old, 30 through 33 years old, he got 100 targets every season, right? We're hoping that's the situation. Whereas with a lot of these other teams, uh, we know that the other guys can be their target. Like, why would I take Gabriel Davis at wide receiver 27 if I can wait four rounds 
three rounds and take Adam Thielen at wide receiver 38, knowing that he's going to be the second target on the team, knowing he's going to have a high target share, knowing that he was wide receiver seven last year before he got hurt. Like, why do we have to do this every year where, where we fall in love with these hypothetical guys and we draft them at their ceiling? It, it just blows my mind. Even if he is wide receiver 27 or 26, where his ADP is, I just feel like you had to reach so hard and risk so much just to get the guy and hope for his ceiling. So for me, I'm not doing it. Rashad Bateman is the guy that I want in this situation over pretty much all these guys. I'm not going to bore everybody with reading the entire article to you guys here on the mic. I'd say go to Fantasy Alarm, just search Fantasy Alarm, Andrew Cooper, Rashad Bateman. All the numbers are there, but that target share is a highly consolidated situation where if you really look at it on a per game basis, Marquise Brown had an even higher target share than Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews ended up with 150. Brown ended up with like 140 something, but he missed a game. It's that type of situation. Now Bateman falls into that position. He could be the guy that gets drafted at wide receiver 29 and ends up like wide receiver three, like a Cooper Cup was last year. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you there. Uh, I think another safe play is the guy that's going right after him is Brandon Cooks. Seemingly his quarterback proof. He's played with some bad ones. And, and Davis Mills actually put together some pretty decent weeks last season. I think Brandon Cooks deserves to sort of be in, in that same tier among the top 30 where he's going ADP 62 overall. A guy that just keeps on producing. The next group, though, has a handful of rookies. Some guys that I know you're not as high on. And then, of course, your baby Adam Thielen's in there as well. How are you handling the Drake London, Traylon Burks, Sky Moore, guys like that as they come up in the draft? Yeah, it really depends what type of a league I'm in, right? So if I'm in a 12-team league, so the context of this discussion is trying to win tournaments like the Puppy or tournaments like uh, Best Ball Mania, where you need to be in realistically the 99th percentile of people to make big money right so like in a situation like that maybe i will take a drake london or a Traylon burks and just say okay they the targets are there for them they're their first round picks the talent's there maybe i catch lightning in a bottle with this year's justin jefferson if i'm picking in a, a 12 team league where i just want to put together the safest best possible team that's where i'm taking a brandon cooks i might consider a darno mooney but people forget how inefficient Darno Mooney was. This guy got, he was a back-end wide receiver too. He finished somewhere around wide receiver, I think it was wide receiver 21. He had 140 targets, 140. That's like a top, top eight or nine in the league for targets. He can't really get many more targets than that. So you're betting that the quality of the targets improve, that maybe this offense with Luke Getze, who hasn't called plays since, uh, he was at Mississippi State in 2018, is better. Like, it, it, it's a it's another risky bet. So, for me, I do like taking Thielen. That's my guy. I think that he's going to be, once again, a guy that has a highly consolidated snap share, highly consolidated target share, and touchdown-dependent guys in best ball. Those, it, it completely smooths it out. The format smooths that out. Right, so I like Phelan. I'm not taking Amon Ross St. Brown at his ADP. I've, I've talked extensively on that player. And nope. save the air for people. You know, they've heard enough on that. They know that I'm not a fan of that. And it, this is just not the format for that player either, right? Like right. we're talking about a guy that needed 12 targets just to crack 100 yards receiving just barely. So it's just not the right format for that player. The one I want to ask you about is Devonta Smith. So I know you like A.J. Brown. Does that inherently for you move Devonta Smith back a little bit? And I guess I'd also like to hear what you have to say about Elijah Moore and that situation with the Jets. Yeah, so last year I was all in on the Devonta Smith train. I, I wrote him up in like my 
my futures NFL article. I was talking about him all the time about the connection of Hertz and Smith in basketball. And as for a rookie, he was pretty good, right? Over 100 targets. He had 916 yards receiving. He had five touchdowns all while playing with a quarterback that really didn't like light it up throwing the football. I don't mind Devonta Smith this year. It just feels like it's, I don't see Jalen Hurts being the guy to to carry like 2,000 yard receivers, right? Like in my opinion, I think A.J. Brown could have 12, 1,300 yards, but I think Devonta Smith is probably going to settle into like an 800 yard receiving type role, right? Like I think you could get what you got out of him here, 60, 65, 800, 850, that range maybe he'll catch a couple long touchdowns but I I think AJ Brown is going to be you know the guy that gets the majority of these looks the one thing that you can take a chance on with Devonta Smith I think in this format and we always talk about like you're not going to play doctor we're not going to predict injuries well AJ Brown does have a pretty extensive recent injury history right like he's always missing time with this or that so you know, if you want to take Devonta Smith and be like all right he's my wide receiver three and if something happens to AJ Brown Well, now Devonta Smith is the wide receiver one in this offense. And if Hertz takes that step forward, like I'm anticipating him doing, then you're going to get some value there. Yeah. So, uh, and again, the Dr. Fortune Teller is what I usually say when I kind of dog on people for that. But you have to think about the format you're in, right? The, The problem with drafting a guy hoping someone else gets hurt in a regular redraft league is that you have to set your lineup all those weeks. So what do you do with the guy? If you're drafting a guy as like a handcuff, hoping that someone else gets hurt, what do you do? You put him in your lineup and just say, oh, well, I'll just take the the whatever production until hopefully the guy gets hurt. Like, that's why I don't like that idea. In best ball, you, can, you, can, you need, especially the tournaments where everything needs to go exactly right for you to win. Like, you got to use everything you can to your advantage. So I don't mind that type of strategy as much because you're building a group of guys. Just to, in this, the ideal number of wide receivers is somewhere between seven and nine. And you don't have to set your lineup. You just get the best of whatever happens. So I don't mind factoring a little injury injury bet into a situation like that with a guy like A.J. Brown because you don't have to rely on him early in the season. You know what I mean? This is probably going to – he's going off the board at wide receiver 36, so he's probably your third or fourth best wide receiver. And if somebody gets hurt, you get that – you get bonus, even during the game when it happened, right, because yeah. it's best ball. So I don't mind that as much in this. It's in the, the context of most discussions on Twitter and most discussions probably for us moving forward from July on are going to be re- the real leagues that most people play. And in that situation, you're playing with a risky set when you're trying to guess who's going to get hurt and who doesn't get hurt. Yeah, 100%. And you mentioned it, Elijah Moore. Listen, I'm uh, we're both Patriots fans, but I came out of that Jets tr- draft uh, a little worried because I, mm. I believe in Robert Sala in the way they're building that roster. I think Zach Wilson definitely has the arm talent to be a good NFL quarterback. I don't know if he has the ability to be a good NFL quarterback outside of his ability to throw downfield. But, you know, to me, seeing how they're building that that offense, that they also use the 10th overall pick on Garrett Wilson. I do wonder a little bit about what exactly Elijah Moore can bring to the table if we see a repeat of a 49er-style offense with Brees Hall with Michael Carter. They brought in a couple tight ends as well. They, they've now drafted two wide receivers surround Wilson with talent. It's up to Wilson to be that guy. And to me, especially in this range, like you say like it's boomer bust, it's best ball. You want these guys. Yet I don't know. I look at him and I wonder 
he feels more risk. There's more risk involved with Elijah more than maybe some of the other guys. Yeah, there's there's definitely risk with that. And you touched on the part that scares me the most with this offense is, and it's also scary for the Dolphins offense. And that's that the the tight ends and the fullback. They have Nick Bodden on this depth chart. And when you go and you look at the depth charts online, it's going to show Trevin Wesco as a tight end. He is not he's not a tight end, especially now. That guy plays fullback. So it's Wesco versus Bodden. They're going to have a fullback on the roster because that's what, you know, they had Kyle Juszczyk in the 49ers. They now are going to be running two tight end sets. When you look at a team like the uh, Ravens, it's great for the starting tight end, the pass catching tight end. And it's great for the top wide receiver because they are still out there every single play. But anytime you bring in a second tight end, you're not going to take out because it's when you bring in the tight end and you bring in a fullback, that's a run heavy formation. You're not going to take the running back out. You're not going to take the tight end out. It's wide receivers that come out of the game. So just bringing in a second tight end means one of Corey Davis, Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore comes out of the field. And a lot of people want to say, oh, well, obviously Corey Davis will come out. Well, maybe not, obviously, because he's been graded as one of the best run blocking wide receivers in the league. And real life football, they care more about when you go with a heavy formation, having blockers in there sometimes than they do about maybe a slight difference in in pass catching ability. And when you bring the fullback and two tight ends in, now it's a one wide receiver set. So I, I am for sure scared a, a little bit just about the ceiling for any guy on a team like that. And I've already heard word from Mike McDaniel himself, another 49er guy in, in Miami, that they definitely plan to use a fullback. And they already have three different tight ends that they use all the time, Adam Shaheen, Durham Smythe and Mike Gusecki. So keep that in mind with the ceiling for some of these guys. Formations definitely matter for to a certain degree. Yep, 100% with you there. What are your thoughts on the Packers situation here? I I, I already saw a tweet saying that Christian Watson's having trouble catching the We haven't seen uh, the exact Jamar Chase quotes from last year. Re Hunt fantasy Twitter. When everybody's like, oh, Jamar Chase can't catch football. So says the team reporters covering the team but and hearing reports that watson's having some dropsies uh, you have alan lazard there both of those guys just inside the top 50 they still have aaron Rodgers at their quarterback there's no Devontae adams anymore how are you approaching those two guys yeah man honestly i still prefer christian watson i like the upside the floor is scary but again in these situations i'd rather take best ball especially when i'm taking my fourth or fifth fifth wide receiver I lean into uncertainty, and when I do that, I would rather have the upside of Christian Watson than take a known commodity in Alan Lazard. He's a big, clunky guy, another guy, great, great blocker. Alan Lazard, honestly, when you look at how often he lines up at inline tight end, it's not even that far off from Mike Gusecki. Like him and Mike Gusecki are playing. If Mike Gusecki's a tight end, you might as well call Alan Lazard a tight end too. Whereas in reality, they're both wide receivers. But for fantasy purposes, it's interesting. Like you could make an argument if Kaseki having that tight end eligibility, a guy that like Lazard that at times in seasons could play 50, 60 snaps at inline tight end. There's an argument to be made there. For me, I'm I'm taking these guys over a huge, most of these guys in front of them. So you've got, uh, did you rattle off the ADP on this group after Thielen, the Sky Moore, Brandon Ayuk? I, I haven't. I just mentioned a little bit of Garrett Wilson where he was going. But you, you can go through the Sky Moore. Yeah. Range. I say at this point, we're, we'll go through this last group of ADP. And then after this, we'll just pick and choose guys we like because now we're getting into the range where you just have to get your guys. It's ADP matters more with the first 
40, 50 wide receivers. After that, there's no guarantee that somebody isn't going to reach down and take wide receiver 59 over 50 because the rankings go off the rails. But uh, so this is probably the last group where ADP matters. You got Sky Moore, wide receiver 39, Brandon Ayuk, wide receiver 40, Hunter Renfro, wide receiver 41. Then there's a little dip as far as who's going where. Then Tyler Lockett, 42, Chris Olave, 43, Christian Kirk, 44, Garrett Wilson, 45, Russell Gage, 46. And then you have the two Packers wide receivers, Christian Watson, Alan Lazard going back to back. I'm really only taking those guys if I take Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers is a very similar ADP, also around like 95. So I try and if I take Aaron Rodgers, then I grab one of those guys as a stack. Otherwise, I'm just I'm not really going there. I'd rather have I'd rather have Tyler Lockett. I'd rather have Christian Kirk, honestly, even though I plan to take Evan Ingram in a lot of leagues. I don't see why we wouldn't like Russell Gage either with Chris Godwin out and we don't know when he's going to be back. And even seeing that they were able to sustain three wide receivers for a while there. I'm not taking Hunter Renfro, wrote about him. And then, I don't know, Sky Moore, what do you think on that? Do you, Are you willing to go there? It's not the situation. Yeah, he's interesting, but I feel like there's they brought in other veteran receivers that might find themselves just playing over him. I actually like the guy going off at wide receiver 50 and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. We talked about the downfield presence that Tyree Kill brought to that offense, but this is the first time where, well, not the first time, but a big downfield guy. Like Marquez, like Tyree Kill is fast, flies down the field, but this is an, out, an opportunity for Patrick Mahomes to have a deep threat like Valdez-Scantling who can burn it down the field. But what is he also, like 6'3", right? Like, like, I think he might be actually 6'4". Yeah, like, like they... he, can, he can go up there and get it. So that just brings a whole nother, I think, level to what Patrick Mahomes could bring to this offense. So I, me, for me, MBS is a guy that I'm targeting in my drafts. I just think the upside for him, he could be looking at a career. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. And I'll throw one more guy into this discussion because it goes... So you brought MVS up. It goes uh, the two Packers. Then it goes Robert Woods, Marcus Valdez-Scanling, Michael Gallup. This is where you got to pay attention to the news at this time of year, right? Because we actually have uh, on two of these guys, Woods and Gallup, two totally different narratives that should really be separating their ADPs more than it has been, which is that Robert Woods was on the field for OTAs. Those aren't even mandatory. You know what I mean? So him uh, tearing his ACL back in like November, actually being out there, a beautiful thing. Michael Gallup, on the other hand, Jerry Jones came out and said uh, he's most likely not going to be ready week one, which there's, again, there's no reason for Jerry to say that if he didn't believe it to be true. So it's where there's smoke, there's fire. Robert Woods is already out there. And like, why would Jerry say that? You know what I mean? If, If he even thought it was possible, he would say, we're hoping to have him back. Not that we're expecting to not have him. So for me, the games to a certain Gallup, I do like his upside down the stretch. But when we're talking about guys that are actually ready to play versus guys that not only he is, you have to ramp up to be ready to play. So it's like, it's not like it's just like, okay, you're good. Get on the field. Like these guys take a little time. I'm starting to get more and more concerned about Michael Gallup. Yeah, I'm with you there as well. Guys who are coming off uh, injuries and if they're definitely, if they're going to be missing time, puts them behind the eight ball a little bit. No, no homerisms aside here, right? Being Patriots fans, Devontae Parker at wide receiver 60. This is a guy that we saw finally put together a healthy year a couple of years ago, and he was a clear wide receiver one. The Patriots are thirsty for a, a true wide receiver one. You, know, you and I went back and forth last year on, on Jacoby Myers' viability of being a top guy. The passing offense in general struggled there in year one of Mac Jones. 
if you read all the reports, they're everything, everybody's saying the right thing about Mac this offseason. Kendrick Bourne's been Instagram living workouts, and everybody's talking about how Mac Jones is in the best shape of his life. Mac Jones is working out with famed quarterback coach that, you know, helped Tom Brady and all these guys with their deep ball and their arm strength and their passing motion. And, and Mac Jones has come in with the quote unquote best, you know, shape of his life and all of these things. And Devontae Parker apparently has been looking good in OTAs and he's talked about how much he's really gelling with everybody. Both Parker and Myers are going right after each other in ADP, 61 and 60. I would rather Devontae Parker, wide receiver 60, than Jacoby Myers, the wide receiver 61. Yeah, this is where we have to slap the asterisk on there for all the listeners. Not only are we both Patriots fans, but we've both also quietly been Devontae Parker fans. Right. Is that not is that not a true? <laughs> so like it's just funny how like all of New England was like, whatever. And me and John were like, we got him. So it is nice to, to see him there. I'm with you on that, John. Last year, you and me had a little back and forth on Jacoby Myers versus Nelson Aguilar. You like Myers. I liked Aguilar. You ended up being right there. And this year, we're both in lockstep on Parker. So Jacoby Myers, the thing about him is this particular format, it just, it's obviously it's not his right. strong suit of all the players. Like you want guys that can make splash plays. You want guys that score touchdowns. You want guys that have speed for Yak. Like that is the complete opposite of Jacoby Myers. He is the definition of your kind of run of the mill possession slot guy, where his upside is a Tyler Boyd and his floor is a Jameson Crowder. It's just, he's just, it's not a mistake that he hasn't gotten in the end zone more times than he has. I think it's just two, right? Yeah, exactly. And it took him a long time to get those. And it's just a matter of certain guys. Their play style is more conducive to touchdowns. Jordy Nelson was amazing at body control and essentially at times getting away with pushing off, you know what I mean? Which is a skill in this league. And you see it with Adam Thielen. You see it with certain guys like James Jones. So then there's other guys that will just never have that skill set. Julio Jones, he honestly never, he never had it. He, he just, he was never a guy that was making those plays in that, those, that space. And Jacoby Myers isn't that guy either. Devontae Parker, on the other hand, he's a guy that I've seen many times go up in high point balls, look very athletic. It's just a matter of health with that guy. Yeah, hundred percent. It's always been about health. Maybe beneficial to his health. They asked him, you know, how it's been with OTAs. He says he's never been in an organization that made him run so much. So there's no calling card more associated with New England than endurance, right? The famed hill runs that Bill Belichick used to make these guys constantly run. So maybe that's a good thing or maybe it's a bad thing. Maybe they're wearing out his legs. Like, well, we'll see what happens. But Devontae Parker, for me, other notable guys, I think they're just going down the list. You have Jarvis Landry now in New Orleans. You have Jameson Crowder in Buffalo. Those two guys, I think, are... I think Crowder flies under the radar more than he does. You and I joke about it all the time. When I see Jameson Crowder, I honestly think he's like 34 and he's like not even 29 yet, right? Like right. He's, he's so young, but it feels like he's so old, but he's not. Maybe the years with the Jets in Washington, just making it seem like he is. And Landry again, in, a, in an interesting situation, getting away from the Baker Mayfield, but now going to the Saints where now I've seen some reports that Jameis doesn't look right yet, right? Like he's still, still looking a little hobbled, still working his way back from the ACL injury. So that's slightly concerning for me. Yeah, I agree. Jay, like you said with James Gretter, younger Cole Beasley and Cole Beasley on this team, even at times playing a partial snap share, back to back to back, hundred target seasons. There's a there's appeal there. Jarvis, I like Jarvis to me in this situation is at his, at this ADP is a reason more than anything not to draft Chris Olave. You know what I mean? Like Michael Thomas is Michael Thomas, and then we don't know who's going to be the next guy, but we know Jarvis Landry is this guy. He's got a 
a hardworking attitude. I've never seen anybody stand up and try and tell the other players in the locker room that that they shouldn't be getting injured and right. that injuries are infectious. But when you watch that speech, that this guy is a professional and he really cares. So I like Parker here. I, I like Landry. I like Crowder. A guy going to that same range that I do like, I'm willing to give him another shot on, is Kenny Galladay. This guy was a, he's a big, strong split end. We've seen him put together great seasons. Obviously, those were with Matt Stafford, and we just recently found out that Matt Stafford is. We always thought he was good. Now everyone knows that he's good. But I feel like Kenny Galladay gets a bad rap here because you look at the stats and you're like, oh, he played 14 games and he didn't score a touchdown. Well, when you're playing injured and your quarterback is injured and you're catching balls from... I can't even remember who the backup. They had two different. They had Jake Fromm and then another quarterback throwing balls yeah, last year. I'm not. I can't remember the name of who that was. There was another quarterback. Yeah, yeah. Like three different quarterbacks throwing balls, none of which are good. This is just a bet that Daniel Jones gets it together a little bit. There's a new coach, Kenny Galladay. Man, he's not going to score zero touchdowns this year. That hey, you can take that and you can clip that and make fun of me if you want. If he once again doesn't, but I'd bet the house this guy scores more than zero touchdowns this year so his adp at wide receiver 57 given the upside is it's worth it to me like how am i going to take tyler boyd here where we know he's coming off the field we know there's two better pass catchers on the team how am i going to take him over kenny galladay who could lead his team in targets he's 6-4 we've seen him have thousand yard seasons we've seen him have 11 touchdowns in a season why can't he be better than tyler boyd you know what I mean? So that that's where I'm at with a guy like that. And then I'll give you one more from this range because he's going right after Jameis Crowder. I'm hearing good things about Jahan Dotson. Have you been hearing the some of the rumblings coming out of camp there, John? Are you, are you still deep in basketball? Mode? <laughs> no, I've definitely seen some <laughs> tweets come out about it. I, this early on, I, I take a little bit of a grain of salt. I, I like that you have good reports and he's making some plays and whatnot. Get some pads on, get into some real training camp, see what things are looking like with some uh, of the, uh, the scrimmages that happen and, and whatnot. But at least this late, like you said, you're looking to throw darts at guys and he's someone that's going to fit the bill. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like in that group, there's a couple guys like that. If you're going for a guy, just trying to hit on a guy who could lead his team in targets and potentially get a bunch of balls or take a stab on Christian Kirk or Marvin Jones going this range, take a stab on a DJ Chark, right? Like why can't $10 million boy right. DJ Chark come out and lead that team in targets? It's not set in stone. We, ha- we haven't seen... Amon Ross St. Brown go up against any other high quality guys. What if they get these guys in camp and all of a sudden they look at DJ Chark and look at Jamison Williams and they're like, this is what they, this is what they look like. This is what starting wide receivers split ends and flankers look like in this league. And it just, it changes the way they operate. So I'm interested there with the Michael Gallup news. Keep an eye on that. Jalen Tolbert, the rookie, they use pretty good draft capital on him for the Cowboys. He's already set to probably play a ton of snaps and three wide receiver sets. No more Blake Jarwin. So they're not going to be really doing a lot of the two tight end thing. They don't use a fullback, right? So he's intriguing, especially if Gallup's not ready to go. Like early in the season, there's something to be said for being a guy that your quarterback leans on and building that morale because it doesn't always just go right away. You know what I mean? Like when you get your foot in that door early, that's how that's how you get in the good graces, and that's how you get more plays drawn up for you at the end of the day, right? I think that's probably a good one for sure. Any other sort of dart throws that you're taking a look at? I have one, and I'll explain it when we come to it, but anybody else for you? So, yeah, through this range, like I'm still willing to be that guy at this time of year to take one of these three guys. I'm just going to say all three of them, and everyone, I don't even have to explain. I don't have to explain why I'm taking these guys. 
Everyone knows why, and it, it's the highest. It's a high floor, low ceiling proposition. But I'm I'm willing to take Will Fuller. I'm willing to take Odell Beckham Jr. and I'm willing to take Julio Jones, just because of the unknown and what comes with that and where they could potentially end up and what that upside might be. Yeah, I agree with you. Again, you're you're taking injured players that aren't are, aren't likely to injured players or unsigned players at this point, right? Where the uncertainty mm-hmm. is going to push them down the draft board. Uh, and if they hit, that's great. If they, you know, you don't have to start them every week, right? It's best ball. So exactly. Uh, and been... the thing is, Julio Jones could sign in the right spot. Like, what happens if the Buffalo Bills go out and say we're going to sign Will Fuller? to play flanker opposite of Stephon Diggs. He would shoot up the draft board. What happens if the Packers... Well, I was say the Packers were more the more obvious landing right. spot. Any, yeah, any one of the guys, right? The, the Chiefs, it's like these teams, like if any of those guys, these guys would go from Julio Jones ADP, wide receiver 84. If he was playing with Aaron Rodgers, all of a sudden, right, when you show up and your quarterback is a 40-year-old Aaron, Aaron Rodgers and you're Julio Jones and you're 33... You're, you're like a young buck again, right? Yeah. Seven years younger. I mean, it's like that kind of dichotomy could be exactly what Julio Jones needs. He could even get signed by the Colts. Right. And now he's playing with Matt Ryan again. And who else on the depth chart is even even gonna, would even threaten Julio Jones to be the guy opposite Michael Pittman? Paris Campbell, Alec Pierce? Forget about it. Yeah, I agree with you. The one name for me, and again, just total shot in the dark. We're at wide receiver 91 at this point. Yeah, a couple of the last picks that you're basically coming up to is Brian Edwards. Now, he was traded from the Raiders to the Falcons. My my reasoning for this is, again, outside of they have Drake London there. They have Kyle Pitts. Two early round investments are going to get that playing time for sure. But I wonder what kind of connection Edwards and Mariota have together, right? Like, Mariota was the backup quarterback in in oakland or in las vegas or whatever and edwards wasn't always like a first team guy like i feel like in practice reps they probably got at least some connection some work together right so now they go ahead and they acquire this guy looking for a fresh start everybody hyped him up a few years ago he was never really able to hit even when given opportunities in oakland or in las vegas wherever they were playing at the time i wonder if like he would just get a a a new opportunity to see consistent playing time maybe some consistent targets in this atlanta team so we're not expecting a lot out of the atlanta falcons this year but i think at the very least we may see them throw the football and and maybe there's some brian edward upside still left in him with a change of scenery for sure man i mean like people i I get into these conversations on twitter all the time man where it's like people are like oh well i don't think joe brady had anything to do with uh, them bringing in terrace marshall to the panthers of course he did of course he did. You know what I mean? Of right. course they asked Joe Brady before they drafted Terrace Marshall. Of course they asked Marcus Mariota before they traded for Brian Edwards. Are you kidding me? Right. Like, it would be insane. Imagine if they traded for Brian Edwards and Mariota was like, oh, yeah, you should have asked me about that guy. He stinks. Like, no question they asked the starting quarterback who played with this guy if they want to have this guy there. So I love those narratives. We saw it with just a couple of years on the Panthers as well, because with the Terrace Marshall with Joe Brady, Robbie Anderson, Matt Rule brought Robbie Anderson in. Everyone was drafting DJ Moore, wide receiver 12, 12 Robbie Anderson, wide receiver 64, and they probably scored like 10 points different. It's like, of course those narratives matter. So I'm absolutely more interested in Brian Edwards being traded to the Falcons than Brian Edwards was dead, man, on the Raiders, right? Yeah. With Devonta Adams, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, he was dust. Now he gets new life. So I think this ADP wide receiver 91 
Like, what's the worst that could happen? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, what's the worst that can happen? You just you, you bring in a guy who's six three, two you know two twenty that played with the quarterback, and yeah, was he great with the Raiders? No, of course not. He was very disappointing. Former third round pick though, new organization, a little breath of life in him. Playing time on a bad team with no expectations whatsoever. I'm willing to give it an opportunity. If he misses, it's not totally killing me again in this format. Obviously, I'm not talking redraft. If it was redraft, you just release him. If he's even, he wouldn't even get drafted anyways. But so that's my one late round guy that I peaked a little bit at. There are obviously some other home run hitters that you can take a look at as well. But you know, for me, that's probably some of the guys that I'm I'm targeting. What about you? Is there any other final guys that are on your radar here? Can I throw a name at you that? Another name that you and I have liked that no one else likes that sure. could be a little intriguing based on a rumor that I heard. Sure. How about the name Sterling Shepard? Oh, uh, well, yes. I didn't mention, but yes, he, you and I are big. Sure. He just stay healthy for us, man. One time. Right. right. Like, well, <laughs> so the thing is the code, they asked Joel Schoen, like, is there anybody you don't expect to be there for camp? And he was like, no, he's like, we expect the majority of our players ready. And they specifically asked about Sterling Shepard and another guy. And he said, we expect these guys to be ready for camp. Now, he tore his Achilles week 15, which, I mean, yeah. who knows if he's even going to be coming back and playing at a high level or anything. But, you know, if he is somehow ready to go, how many other guys last year had a game with 14 targets? This guy's season started with nine targets, 10 targets. He got three targets in a game where he got hurt, but, you know, three targets in a game where he had 30, you know, played 30% of the snaps. Then he had 14 targets. Then he had seven targets in a game where he played 38% of the snaps, and then he got hurt. Like, when this guy was playing, he was getting peppered with targets. It's just a matter of the injury, but that's what you got to do down in this this range sometimes if you want to win these massive tournaments is bet that Sterling Shepard comes back towards the end of the year and he's a monster. Bet that Justin Ross, for every team except 28 out of 32 teams, said they would never clear him to play because of the condition he has. But what if the Chiefs clear him to play? Bet that Tyquan Thornton becomes the Patriots field stretcher and scores a bunch of random deep touchdowns because he's the fastest guy that was drafted this year. Like In this range, you might as well go big because unless you have already done a bunch of crazy bets and you need to just take the safest possible guy, there's not a lot of guys down here that are going to do anything. They're going to crap your lineup at all. Like When is... James Washington going to crack your lineup. What is Byron Pringle? This is the kind of guys we're talking about, the blocking wide receivers. Randall Cobb. Yeah, it's just not a lot of interesting stuff. So you might as well go crazy down here because most of these guys aren't going to crack your lineup anyway. So try and get somebody that could crack it in a big way. Yep, I'm, I'm in 100% agreement with you there. That's, that's a look at the underdog wide receiver ADP right now for best ball guys. We're looking at tiers we like, guys we're not really uh, interested in, fading and whatnot. Coop, any, uh, any final words for those listening at home? Yeah, just remember, get in there right now. Get in the puppy. If you're going to do any of them right now, I know it's I know it's intriguing to try and do the uh, the big one, the $25 one with the $10 million prize, the uh, what's a best ball mania. Wait and do that one later. We've I I personally thought that it would be smarter to do them now. When Howard Bender had asked me to look do the research, figure out if it's better to draft now or later, all the numbers say later. So wait on the big one. Do the puppy now because that one, you're going to be drafting against people that are drafting at the same time as you. Use promo code ALARM. They'll match up to 100 bucks. Let's win a million bucks. Why can't we do it? We got guys winning all this money on DraftKings, everything else, millionaire mics of the world. Let's win some money on your dog. Bring it home to the family. Yeah, 100%. Plenty of uh, basketball articles 
content already out there as well, written by Coop, written by Kev Tompkins, Brent Flynn, and there'll be plenty of more of that to come. Uh, but for now, we will catch you guys next week.